All right, well, um, we started a series last week, and uh, we called it Moses, the Making of a Champion. And so, and I find it interesting that we're talking about the subject of children. Um, Just a week after Roe versus Wade uh, was knocked down by the Supreme Court. And um, I had planned and prepared on this a lot of months ago. And, um, and here we are talking about it today, and I think it's such an important uh, subject to talk about. And so last week, we went through the chapter one of uh, Exodus, and uh, we basically talked about what it was like, um, you know, in Egypt 3,500 years ago. We talked about Pharaoh, that he didn't like the growth and expansion uh, that was going on with the Israelites, so he did like most people are doing nowadays, is they cancel things. So he said, I counsel the Israelites, and he did that by, he tried to do that by forced slavery, genocide, state-sponsored murder, and then the midwives get involved, and uh, they basically say, you know what, we're going to obey God rather than men, and uh, something that really stuck with me last week is that because they obey God rather than men, the Bible says that God gave them families, and I don't know, it just touched me in, in, a, in a really deep way about God. You know, when you're faithful, uh, whether you have a family, physical family or not, but how many know God gives us families? And sometimes you might not have kids, but God gives you a, a whole quandary of them around you. And, uh, you, you know, you just have that blessing in your life. So let me ask you a question today. Okay, here we go. You ready? Are children a blessing or a burden? <laughs> That's a good answer. But how many know some days they are a burden? Uh, isn't that true? Um, so I'll come back to that question uh, a little bit later, and I think you answered the right way. But um, uh, if you have to ask the question, you'll likely come up with the wrong answer. And uh, so the Bible's clear on this. And here's what the Bible says: Psalms 127, verse number three, it says, "Children are." Let's read it together. Children are a gift. From the Lord. Now, I know some of you felt yesterday, it's like, oh, I don't know if this child is a gift or not, you know, but uh, uh, they're a gift from the Lord. And if we had no other verse, this verse alone would be sufficient to establish a biblical position. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a heritage of the Lord, and they are a reward from Him. Now, I could add some other verses to reinforce this point. You know, the Bible says that God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant, Genesis 30, verse 17. Uh, the children of God, uh, the children God has graciously given your servant, Genesis uh, chapter 33, verse 5. Uh, the sons of God, the sons that God has given me, Genesis 48, verse 9. And he will bless you, bless the fruit of your womb, Gen- uh, Deuteronomy seven thirteen. Now, some of you might be wondering, okay, why Christianity has been a pro-child religion. And, um, and I, I just got to say, we were pro-family before it was a political term out there that Christianity was pro-family. How many believe that, that we should be pro-family? And Christianity has always safeguarded uh, the rights of children. Um, and like I said, we were pro-family before it became a political term. And wherever the gospel goes, I want you to know this, that where Christ is known and where his example is um, the model, 
Infancy is sacred. And children are safe inside of the womb. I really believe that that's the way God created it to be. And so, you know, I'm just going to make a bold statement out here that God has called us to take care of the babies in this generous world, dangerous world. How many believe that today? And, uh, you know, I love we just see that video and a lot of us gave and we just, you know, we gave for those children to go. Um, why? Because every child to us is important. And, and some of you see say, well, how does this all apply? I'm going to just tell you this. Every child, whether you have children or not have children, that we all have to feel like every child on this earth is important. And from the, the birthing to the grave, we got to make sure that children are important to the Lord. And so when I look at those kids up there, I'm saying, you know what, God, I'm investing in children today. I'm investing in families. And when we get to Exodus, and we're talking about Exodus, we're talking about, you know, having families that we're just bringing up in the generation of the Lord. And so when I, I look at what's going on with our kids, like, um, you know, in, in our second service, we have a children's, you know, classes, and they had almost 100 kids over there the other day. And that's amazing, you know, and, and today at the end of the second service, we're going to be praying for a whole bunch of youth that are going to camp uh, at, on Saturday, and we're going to pray for God to bless them, and they're going to come up here, and, and I, I just, I, I was down there worshiping, and I'm just, I am almost getting teary-eyed that I see that we love young people enough that we put them on our worship team and, you know, to see Caleb up there and, you know, to see Abby up there and, and to see that we are loving our, our families to, to say, we're going we're gonna to make sure that you're going to be okay. And so God has called us to take care of the babies of this generous world, dangerous world. And, and we want to make sure that they arise safely. We want to make sure that they have a safe place to grow and be healthy and strong. And I believe that every child, every child, you know, deserves our love and care. And uh, so that brings us to the, the story of Moses' birth. And you've probably heard it in Sunday school. Uh, you know, and they talked about Moses and the bulrushes. And so let me give you three pa passages in this scripture where this story is, is, is told. It's told in Exodus chapter 2. It's told in Acts chapter 7 and then Hebrews chapter 11. And here's the short uh, form of the story. You know, uh, because Pharaoh hated the people, the Jewish people, he ordered the, you know, the Hebrew midwives to kill the male uh, Jewish babies. Can you imagine what that was like? The, the fear that was going on. And because they feared the, uh, the Lord, the midwives refused to follow the king's orders. And, and then in a further act of deranged madness, he ordered all the male babies, um, uh, the Hebrews, to be pour, uh, thrown into the Nile. And soon after, there was this couple named Amran and Jochebed who gave birth to a baby boy. And for three months, I was trying to think about this this morning. For three months, they tried to hide this baby. Can you imagine trying to hide this baby from crying? Yeah, can you imagine that? And, you know, they're trying to hide this baby from crying. And, you know, they, they were in direct defiance of the king's command. And they feared God, they feared God so much that they didn't fear Pharaoh at all. And, I, I, and it says that in the scripture, and, and to be honest with you, I, I, am, I am processing that, that they had such a love for God, they didn't fear the evil king. 
And so for three months, they tried to hide him, but they couldn't keep the child hidden forever. So they placed him in a basket among the reeds in the banks of the Nile. And if you've ever seen the Nile, it's a big river. It's uh, massive and dirty, but there's all these little uh, bulrushes that are right along the side. And, and, and that was a wise thing to do because it was a place where the women came to draw water and when Pharaoh's uh, daughter came to uh, take a bath, she saw the basket floating among the bulrushes and uh, near the riverbank. And you can imagine this. And her servants brought the basket to her. What's this? And she opened it, and the baby, the baby was crying. And she recognized it as a Hebrew baby. And one of the divine serendipities of the Bible is that Moses' sister, Miriam, who had been watching from a distance, came and volunteered to find a Hebrew nurse to nurse the baby. And so as it turned out, Pharaoh's daughter ended up paying Moses' mother to raise her own kid. I, I just think that, you know, I mean, there's so much, so much detail here. And that was God's way of preparing this little baby for something great. And uh, because one day he was going to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And, and I just want to say that I know every parent thinks this. You know, but Moses was no ordinary child. Now, I know every parent says that their child is the most beautiful child that they've ever seen. But, uh, you know, look what the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. And they saw that God had given him, an, and I like this, an unusual child. Some of you think your child is unusual, you know, too. But uh, actually, the, the translation is here, it was, he was a beautiful child. That's, that's the way the translation goes. And, and I want you to notice several facts here that they, they hid Moses in direct disobedience to the king's command. And, uh, you know, he was saying, kill all the male babies. And they decided that they were not going to cooperate with this evil command. Secondly, they somehow knew that he was no ordinary child. And, um, and I think a lot of us, when we look at our kids, it's like, man, they're the most beautiful thing and all that kind of stuff. And when they get a little older, you just say, eh, you know. But, uh, um, uh, but I want you to see that their parents, they had a sense that God's hand was on this child. And, you know, I, I, I think about how my mom and dad raised me. And, and to all the kids, and they, they always spoke this word of blessing over us that God has called you, God has gifted you, God has a plan for your life. And, and I think that's something we need to just bring back into the home is that we're blessing our children and, you know, whatever limitations they have that God has called them and he has a plan for their life. But they knew that he was a gift from God. He was a special delivery from God. And, and I love this. They risked everything to keep him alive they risked everything to keep him alive and i'm going to come back to that but i want you to see also that their faith rose above their fear that they probably flinched every time that baby cried and you know they were probably really worried and they took careful plans to keep him quiet and out of sight and and maybe a few other people knew about it but they risked everything to keep this baby alive now, in a situation like this, you never know who you can trust. How many, come on. You know, it's like, okay, do I tell my neighbor I got a child here? Do they, do they tell somebody else 
that, oh, you know, there's a child down here so they don't get into trouble. You know, and maybe they told their neighbor, but, you know, what I want you to see is that they risked everything and they were in disobedience to the king. And every day, Amran and Jochebed risked everything to keep their son alive. But they did not shrink back from their God-appointed task. And here's the fourth thing that I think on that is that they could have, they could not have foreseen how God would honor their faith. And I think sometimes parenting is hard work. Sometimes you're investing in those kids and those children and those grandchildren. I mean, a lot of us are just, you know, we're out, we don't have kids at home, but we have grandchildren that we, we got direct influence on. And it's hard work. And they put this child in a basket in the Nile. That was a desperate attempt to save this boy. And I think we need to do everything possible to, to save the children around us. And I'm going to circle back to that in just a bit. But, um, you know, they, they knew that they could not keep him. They put him in the water. Look at Exodus chapter 2, verse number 3. And I want you to see this. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put the basket and laid it among the reeds among the bank on the Nile River. And, and by the way, the only way, the only other place this word basket is translated is in when Noah had an ark. It's the same word as ark, as you saw, you know, when the story of Moses. And so the parents placed him in this basket. It was safe uh, for him, just as the ark was safe for um, Noah. And, and Moses was safer in that basket than he would have been at home with his parents. And all of it, every part of it, was overseen by God. And this is the amazing thing to me, who intended for this to happen so that he could raise up Moses to be a leader of his people. He wanted to turn him into a champion. And so, you know, I think Mark, Martin Luther King said, you know, the arc of moral universe is long, but it always bends towards justice. And Exodus 2 shows us how God moves in history. I want you to see that today, that there is a flow of human events. And some of you say, I don't know why I've gone through this or what I'm going through in my life. But I want you to see that there is a flow of human events. Nothing just ever happens. You know, people say, well, you know, I have a lot of coincidences in my life. I tell you, when I don't have God, it seems like the coincidences, you know, aren't as much in my life. One uh, person said, from the fall of the raindrop to the fall of the empire, all is under the providential control of God. And after 400 years of persecution in Egypt, the, narrow, the focus narrows to just one family. And we see this mother, we see this daughter, and a baby in the bulrushes. And he's not there by accident. One, guy, one person said he was born to an alien race in a foreign land where they were oppressed and enslaved. And from a human point of view, Moses entered the world at the, mo the worst possible time. But because God intended to raise up a deliverer, he made sure that Moses was born to believing parents in times of adultery. See, 
some of you just say, I don't know how my life fits in this world. I don't know how my kids fit in this world. People say, well, this is really a bad time to have kids. It is never any worse than what is right there. Now is a great time to have kids because our, our, our nation is so messed up. We need to raise up a generation that's going to stand up and say, we put our faith in the Lord God Almighty. Now, I think of the what-ifs of history, okay, because just go with me there for a bit. What if the soldiers had found the baby? What if the wrong person came along? What if Pharaoh's daughter came a day earlier, an hour earlier? What if Pharaoh's daughter didn't even notice the baby? Or what if she felt no pity? What if she didn't agree with Miriam's request? What if she wanted the baby, what if she wanted the baby right then instead of, you know, turning him over to the mother? And I have written in my notes two words that I want to cover this whole story with, and it's called but God. How many know there are but God situations in our life? And some of you just don't, Margo, you said, you know, you know, we go through trials and, you know, tribulations. And I don't know what everybody goes through, but I just know this, but God. Everybody say that with me, but God. And some of you say, well, my kids are kind of going off sideways or, you know, I have a child that's in rebellion right now. I just want to say over their life, big capital letters, but God. That God can redeem, God can restore, God can, God can pull your kid out of the, the worst of situations. God can take that grandchild that is running away from the Lord. God can take that, that child that is not walking with the Lord. And God, he might pull him through the pig pen. I'm going to tell you, but it's but God can take and redeem and restore, you know, our family that you think maybe they're lost. Amen. So right over this story, but God. Amen. I want to talk just a little bit about the battle for your children today or your grandchildren or the, maybe you know, you have influence over children. And it's, how many would just agree with me, it's dangerous to have children in this world today. You know, for one thing, children may get killed in the womb before they're born, but if they make it out alive, there are people out there that want to groom them for sexual perversion. You know, what can you say about leaders who want to ensure that children have access to blocking hormones and gender reassignment, you know, uh, surgeries? What about teachers who want to talk about, you know, talk, want, who want the right to talk to little children about their sex lives at the early age of five? You know, it just drives me nuts. You know, it's dangerous to be a child in today's world. Josh Dawes on Twitter said the other day, when young children are isolated from their parents, encouraged to adopt different beliefs and keep secrets from their parents, they are easy targets for abusers. Rebecca Christoffrey uh, responded later in another tweet, there is a war going on in this country. It's not a war on covid it's not a war on border security or a concern with human uh, foreign affairs. It's the most important war that there is, and it's our children. And the prize is their hearts and minds, and the cost, if we lose, is incalculable. 
Parents, if you, grandparents, or anybody that has influence on children, if you love these kids today, you're going to fight for them. You're going to fight with all that you've got. You're going to get on your knees, and you're going to pray, and you're going to fast. And if they're in rebellion right now, you're going to speak to the devil and say, I will not allow my kids to go down to the place of the world. I will stand for them. As long as they're in rebellion, I will fight for my kids. Some of you need to hear that today because you say, well, I've just given up. The devil has declared an open season on our boys and girls, and he has recruited Hollywood, Wall Street, and the school system to join them. To join him. And I want you to make no mistakes. Your kids, your grandkids are ground zero in this spiritual war. Our children face dangers today that we never dreamed of 50 years ago. But as bad as it is, Omran and Jochebed, they faced greater danger. And they knew the government wanted to kill their baby boy. They knew the danger, so they hid their son for three months in direct defiance to the king's uh, order. Now, Hebrews 11, verse 23, notice what it says. It was by faith Moses' parents hid him for three months. That's a long time. I would have nervous. I'd be so nervous my baby's sleeping down there in the, the, you know, the basket in the bulrushes there. They saw God had given them, what does it say there? An usual child, but I like this. Read it with me, please. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. They're not afraid of the most powerful man on earth at that time. They're not afraid. And I'm going to tell you, in the end, we must all do what Moses' parents do, that we come to a point in our lives and say, okay, God, we're releasing our kids. How many know it's a hard thing? You know, as they're growing up, it's, they're, it's almost like they're tied to this, this um, hot air balloon. And you go by and you cut one string and, you know, you say, okay, that's good. And as they get older, you cut another string and you give them more latitude and more freedom. When they're about 18 or so, you know, they're hanging on with one string that's attached to the ground. And you're praying with all your might that God, when I let go of that last string, I'm praying that it go. <laughs> Come on. Am I the only one? See, in the end, we must do what Moses' parents do, release our kids to the Lord. And when they put that child in the baby, I was trying to think at three months, you know, does this baby, I mean, I'm sure she's, he's not walking, but I mean, you know, is he turning over? Is he flip-flopping? I don't know. You know, did, would, how would he fall out of the basket? You know, would he? He didn't. But we live in a dangerous world where there's so much opposition to parents who intend to raise their children for the Lord. You know, in recent months, we've seen how certain teachers want the legal right to teach moral perversion to children as young as five years old, and many applaud these teachers for their courage. Disneyland vilified the people that were trying to stand up for their children. 
But the real honor goes to parents who dare to raise their children for the Lord. And I understand why some people don't want to bring children into a world like this. But when has it ever been easy? Where do we ever live? You know, when did we ever live in a golden age raising our children? Nothing has ever been perfect. No age has ever existed. And it can be terrifying to let your children go. And we need to do it. You know, I, I think about my parenting challenges, and there was a lot. You know, and I, I had to work. And how many know you have two different kids, and they three different kids, whatever it is, and they're not the same. You have to work through things. It can be terrifying. And so Moses' mother cast her baby on the dangerous waters of the Nile. And I want you to likewise think about, I have got to give God my children today. I have to give him my grandchildren. I have to bring this before the Lord and just trust the Lord that he's going to take care of us. See, the God who cared for Moses cares for my kids too and my grandkids. And it's by faith. By faith. By faith. And how can I bring children into a world like this? The same way Amran and Jochebed did, by faith. By faith they came together. By faith she conceived. By faith they hid their baby. By faith they raised him. That was a miracle there. By faith they gave him back. And by faith, you know, they just trusted the Lord. So do not despair. You know, these be honest with you, these are wonderful days to raise children because you get to invest in them that they would stand up and be men and women of righteousness. If all the Christians say, well, we're not going to have kids anymore, guess what? It's only going to be the people of the world, and we need the kids that are going to stand up in their schools, they're going to stand up in their places and say, you know what? I believe in Jesus. Don't be afraid. These are wonderful days. Think of what Jochebed did. She received Moses from the Lord. She released him back to the Lord, and she got him back. And then she released him. God made sure she got paid for her trouble. Everything was against her. But God, everybody say that. Everything was, everything was against her, but God. In Acts 7, 22, it says this. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. Now, okay, that talks about the wisdom part. You know, he was powerful in speech, and he probably had knowledge. But where did he get the truth of God? He got it from his mom. And people say, well, how long, and here's a question I can't answer, but how long did Amron and Jochebed raise Moses? And we don't know. Was it three years? Was it, you know, until he was weaned? Was it till he was 12? We don't know. You know, beyond that, it's impossible to say. But whatever time she had with that baby, the mom had, she instilled the ways of the Lord. See, some of you have instilled the ways of the Lord in your children. And they're kind of giving you this, you know, attitude type thing. Anybody re- relate to me? 
some of your grandchildren are giving you this attitude, but I'm going to tell you, when you release your children and your grandchildren to the Lord, you know, God has got his hand on them, and I believe what the word of God says. You know, you raise them up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. They might have seasons of rebellion. They might walk away, but you know what? I'm depending. I'm depending. My, my, I, my, I am depending on the Lord for this to take place, where God is going to take care of my kids and my grandkids. You know, he was in the, the, the court of the Egyptians and he never forgot what Amron and Jochebed taught him when he was a child. And you never underestimate the importance of your child's early years. Anne Ortland wrote a book entitled Children Are Wet Cement. They are. It's a cement that hardens real fast if you don't work it when it's wet. And the world understands this principle better than we do. That's why the state so forcibly argues, we want control of your children's education. Right now, that's part of the agenda that this, uh, this administration has. We want to be in charge. We don't want you to have any say-so in your children's education. And whoever teaches a young child sets the course for his entire life. Catholics say, give us a child into a seven, he'll be a Catholic for life. That's what they say. There's a world of truth in that statement. God blessed Moses' parents because they implanted the truth in this child. Everything was against them, but God was for them. I love that. Now think about this. They didn't have Genesis. It wasn't written. They didn't have Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, or Deuteronomy. They didn't have the tabernacle. It hadn't been built. They didn't have the Torah of God. But whatever they had, it was enough. God gave them enough to raise those kids. And Moses never forgot where he came from. Even though he started, he had to go over to the Egyptian courts, he never forgot his roots. He never forgot who he was. He never forgot that it had been placed on him. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. This is amazing. I know I'm speaking to somebody today. So what did Moses learn in Egypt? Well... Since Pharaoh's daughter raised him, he probably got the best Egypt offered. He learned language. He learned literature, writing, history, mathematics, music, I don't know, agriculture, chemistry, anatomy, um, ast astronomy, astrology, I don't know, Egyptian religion, trade, finance, whatever it might be. He could have become a Pharaoh, but God had another plan for him. And I hear people say, you know, I always felt like when I was raising my daughter, my son, that God had a call on their life. And then they got off. But you need to declare today that God has not finished with your children. You need to declare today that God is not done with your son, your daughter, your grandchild. You know, you say, well, they're older now. Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, life is all about choices. You know, we make our choices and our choices make us. And in the words of Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody. Come on, some of you have rockers. You'll come with me on that one. And Moses never forgot where he came from. You know, Bob Dylan said, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you gotta, you got to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody in your life. When Moses grew up, this is what the Bible says. He chose to suffer with God's people. 
rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter for my kids. I'm a fighter for my grandkids. I am standing on the promises of God that there is no weapon that is formed against them that's going to prosper because God's hand is on them. And maybe they've gone off and maybe they're doing their own thing. But I'm going to tell you, I believe when, you know, like when Moses grew up, he chose to suffer with God's children rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And I see the fingerprints of God all over everything in this story. Every detail was under God's control. The king's edict, the baby's beauty, the mother's plan, the placing of the ark, the baby's cry, the daughter's compassion, the sister's wise suggestion, the mother's agreement. All of it wove together. And nothing happens by chance. And as the story begins, we see the hand of God moving through the circumstances to prepare this boy that he's going to become a champion for God. This is amazing. But that's how the story starts. Who's the hero of this story? It's God. And you're asking about your children and grandchildren right now and you're worried about this or that. I'm going to tell you the hero of your story is God. He arranged every detail so at the right moment, Jochebed would place Moses in the basket. The basket would float in the weeds. Pharaoh's daughter would come along. She would see the basket. She would recognize Moses as a Hebrew baby. Miriam would step forward. You know, you see this? Moses would be cared for by his mother and paid for it. Pharaoh's daughter would come along. He would be educated. All this happened at the right moment, at the right time. And Moses would one day stand up and say, I'm here to deliver my people. And I believe that God orchestrated every detail. Some of you look at your kids right now. And you just say, I don't understand why they're doing this. Why are they going this direction? But maybe if you just step back a little and just say, God is orchestrating every part of their life. Wow. Well, the question was at the beginning, are children a blessing or a burden? (laughs) I think both. I think both. If you don't have a burden, you're not praying. So, you know, I like what the gospel song says, little is much when God is in it, but God, but God, but God. Why don't you stand? I want every person in this room we're going to do something very different and if you don't want to do it it's fine you know but if you have a child that God has put on your heart if you have a grandchild that God has put on your heart and they might be older okay so some of you your children are 40s 50s or whatever it is and you're still praying if you're in that type of capacity right now where you have children. I, I was I was just gonna bring up the parents of little children, but I thought, no, this some of us are still in that mode. I'd like you to just step out right now and just stand here. If you've got a child that you're praying for in your life, 
If you've got a child that is needing a touch of Jesus, if you've got a child that you are believing for, I want to pray over you today. Come on up, come on up, come on up. I want to pray over you today. I want to pray that God's... How many know it takes courage to be a parent today? You're going to fight this. You're going to fight the, the um, schools. You're going to fight the system. But God is calling us to stand up. To stand up. I get real emotional about this because I know some people who are they're struggling. They're struggling with this. And if, the, you know, you might not have even have a child, but God has given you children and grandchildren that, you know, that are yours. You know they're yours. You know, you're, you're watching after these kids. We're going to stand in the gap for them. And with me, I want you to take your hands and put every child, every grandchild in both hands right now. Lord Jesus, I know that this is a really sensitive subject, but we're praying, God. We're praying for our kids. There is a world system out there that is trying to pull them into their darkest hole. There is a world system that is trying to bring them down to defeat them. The drugs, the alcohol, the sexual perversions that are out there. The disbelief that our kids stand up and say, I don't even believe there's a God. And Lord, we've poured into them. We've believed for them. We've, we've, Lord, we've asked for them. But together, we lift our hands. Now we're going to really lift them high to say, Jesus. We call back that which is been taken away from us, Lord God. We call back that which has gone astray. We call back that which is, Lord, being drawn to the world. And Lord, I call out their names to you, Jesus, that you would just say, God, they're going to come. They're going to come, and they can't resist. They can't run. They might be a prodigal daughter. They might be a prodigal son. But Jesus, we're calling our children back to you, Lord, right, God. And Lord, I pray that you would, that the time that we have with our children, that we would impart the wisdom of God in their life. We would impart the desire for God. And Lord, that you would make us hungry and thirsty after righteousness for our family. And we would stand and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. And I lift my voice and shout. Every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus Yeah.
for this story of grace and goodness and dark and dangerous times. We thank you that when evil doers go from bad to worse, your promises are still true. We pray for our children and grandchildren. We're going to fight for them. That they would grow up to be mighty servants of God. Lord, help us to take what we have and give it to you. Because a little in the hand of the Lord is much when God is in it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let me put a blessing on you. And elders will be here. And if you want to uh, pray, if you have any needs afterwards, elders will be up here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace. And together we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Go in hope. God bless you today.